Yo, 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 what is up? Welcome to Riffs on Tap, episode number 45. I'm your host, Alejandro, joined by... Your boy, Brock. Brock, how are you doing today? Uh, today I'm, I'm doing pretty good today. Just got back from the gym. Uh, I think I might go bowling later. Dude, bowling's lit, man. Yeah, there's a special at the bowling alley, you know, fucking two minutes away from us. Yeah. Uh, $18 unlimited bowling. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty so. good. I gotta say, I do like the shirt. I like the shirt you're rocking today. This is a uh, Riff Raff Jody High Roller uh, shirt. Oh, dude, that is, that is a Jody. This is now his dead husky. Oh, wait, did he did he die? Yeah, I think he died like a year ago or something. One of them, because he's got like two or yeah. whatever. One, yeah, this was this is the one that's dead now. Damn. For all you viewers that can't see, it's his dead husky on my <laughs> shirt. Um, so, no Riley today. Riley, unfortunately, couldn't join us. Uh, very, very busy work week. I know he's uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but So, just us two today. Uh, but we do have a list of things to talk about today. Um, one of them being is, man, the Yankees lost today. The Yankees have finally reached double-digit losses in the MLB. Oh, are they just now on double digits? I haven't. I, so, I have not been keeping up with the Yankees at all. I've been uh, keeping up with the Angels and the Cardinals. Are y'all are y'all winning? Are the Cardinals winning? Uh, we're going through streaks of wins and losses right now. So we just did a series with the Mets. We even had a doubleheader with them one day. Uh, they have whooped our ass. Good whooped team. Our ass. Very good team. Yeah. The Subway series between the Yankees and the Mets is going to be fantastic all season long. They're, the both teams look very very good right now. Um, but yeah, the Yankees, man, we are what is twenty eight and ten. Uh, we just lost to the the Orioles. Uh, we've been on a tear, man. The Yankees are looking good. Um, you know, but of course I'm pessimistic, so I'm just waiting for it to blow up in our face. I was about to say we'll see we'll see when postseason time comes. Yeah, but as of right now, no team is close to us with our with our record. The Dodgers are kinda close. I think they have like fourteen losses. Um but uh yeah, the Yankees for once I, I feel happy to be a Yankees fan. It's not it doesn't happen often. What's y'all's uh, strength right now? Is it pitching, offense, all, all around offense. Offense. We sure. are we are pretty dominant. Like we're we've got a lot of uh a lot of home run leaders and, and a lot of people right near the top. I was about to say, so you, if if you get people up near the top, they're second to the Angels. And it, this pains me to say because it's Riley's team, not mine. <laughs> I'm just keeping up with them so I can talk shit at any given point. Yeah. However, this year, the Angels are, like, they're leading the MLB in almost every major offensive category and pitching. Their pitching has been pretty fucking substantial this year. Yeah. Like, they've been a handful for teams, offense and defense. It's crazy to watch. Sucks for me, but, you know, I'm Riley's loving every second of it. Man, I didn't realize the Angels were doing so well. I, like, I like count out that division just instantly. Cause it's like it was always so bad. It had like the Rangers, uh, <laughs> Oakland, the Angels. Who else is in the division? It's just like it was like not the Padres. They're in the National League, but that whole division was just not very great. Yeah, and, and the now Mariners were in that division too. Oh man, it, I still can't believe to this day that Robinson Cano thought, "Yeah, I'm gonna go to the Mariners. Like this is a good idea. Like this is a good move." Like, I mean, you know, money. Yeah, the Yankees would have given him the money, but I get like the Yankees have like weird restrictions that other teams don't have. Like they want you to be clean shaven and like have you know certain haircut and all this. And Wait for real? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know all this. Have you not noticed that there's no players in the Yankees with beards? I just thought that that was like uh, 
Wow, that's yeah, that's I was about to say, oh, that's baseball, but then I'm like, no, most guys got beards now. No, no, um, yeah, yeah. So Robinson Cano, as soon as he left, he started growing his beard, and he was, and uh, so I'm like, eh, more power to you, I get you. But yeah, the Yankees are like super, like clean shaven, like they don't like their players like having long hair or any of that shit. Yeah, the 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 Angels right now they're 24 and 16, and they, as far as like standings and shit go, they should be leading that division. It's not. Yeah, they're division. they're leading the division. Um. But like, for instance, uh, best batting average, Taylor Ward, Angels. Um, fucking on base percentage, Taylor Ward. Slugging percentage, Taylor Ward. On base plus. OPS. Yeah, OPS. I can't remember what the fuck that stands for, but he's leading that as well. Fucking. Uh, now they're also leading in, I think, strikeouts. No, no. Because they have Shohei as a pitcher, but I don't even know who the rest of their pitching staff is. Okay, so it's it's uh, it's updated a little bit because I checked it last week and mm-hmm. and they were leading in a lot of categories, but right now no, Yankees, Yankees, Astros, Padres are the big names right now. Does it really count that you're leading a statistic if you're cheating your way to leading that statistic? <laughs> so like, really, anytime anyone says anything about the Astros, I'm just like. I, they've lost all credibility to me. I mean, at some point, you know, it's got to reset. You know, you don't you don't think of the Patriots now as like the cheating team. Now, twenty like early twenty tens and everything. Yeah, sure. You talked about the Patriots, and you're just like, oh, okay, yeah. Whose fucking tape are they watching this year? Well, well, I wonder if they are still cheating, and they just don't have the talent to back it up. There's like, damn it! If only we had a real quarterback, we could actually you know, make use of the information that we have about them. I don't think, I'm, but I think Mac Jones had a pretty fucking good season last year. He had his moments. That's for sure. I mean, as, as I mean, if you put him up against like some of the other quarterbacks in the league, like he fucking outshine them. I mean, fuck through eight weeks of the season. They, they were outscoring their opponents by astronomical fucking numbers. Like it was like a 30 point difference per game. I don't think that was off of Mac Jones, though. I believe it was the running game. The defense was really strong as well. Because well, I remember having Mac Jones on my fantasy team being like, wow, this guy sucks. Why do I keep him on my team every week <laughs> after week? Like, he's trash. Oh, that's fair. And, and then for the other eight games, we had Cam Newton, in which I just, man, I, it's surprising me that Cam Newton suited up as a New England Patriot and it didn't work out. Actually, wait, that's not surprising. Um, it <laughs> It, it was not going to work out. It was not the right fit. He is not the quarterback for that type of team and that type of offense. No, and you you could even see that they tried to kind of morph it to him a little bit, and it just didn't it didn't pan out. There there was fleeting moments. You know, it was like a shooting star shooting across the sky. You see it for half a second, and then yeah. there'd be one game where Newton would have two or three passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown through for 250 yards, 300 yards, whatever, and you're like, yeah. oh, this is going to be great. And then the next game he'd go out and throw three picks, throw for 100 yards, and you're just like, well, yep, that's that's about right. Yeah, and I like, I have a, I have a buddy of mine who, uh, he's a big Panthers fan, and he was so excited when Cam Newton came back to Carolina. And I was like, are you really excited? Like, Cam is older. He's not the same Cam Newton he used to be. Yeah, back in the day, fucking badass, man. Like, he was a truck. Like, when he was running with the ball, linebackers would get worried because he's so fucking big. Yeah, he was he was their size, if not bigger. Yeah, and so, but, like, he's older now. He, he doesn't have the same quickness as, as he used to. And his passing, it's really showing how bad of a passer he is. He's not that great. Yeah, because he can't rely on that running game anymore to throw off the defense, you know. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, you know, he might run. 
but we're not as worried about that now. So we can play, you know, we can play back a little bit and sit in this, you know, zone coverage, man coverage, whatever. Yeah. Play the pass and yeah, he's getting he's getting exposed right now, if you will. You got to be able to make your reads, and I think for him, he just it, he goes to his primary receiver, looks at he's covered. All right, well then, what am I gonna do now? It, yeah. it feels like he, he he just gets like lost sometimes. Whereas you see like a Josh Allen or like a Patrick Mahomes, they're going through all their reads multiple times. They're like, let me give him a second, let me just check my other guys. Now he's open. Goes back to his original, his primary. Fucking last year, uh, Mahomes set a record for the Chiefs as a Chiefs record for most receivers to have a reception in a game. He fell yeah. to like 11 different people. And that was excluding the tight end position, obviously yeah. Kelsey. But that was excluding. So he threw to 12 different people that game. That was like a, I believe that was the Chiefs franchise record. And I'm like, yeah, that's about what he does. You know, he'll, he'll scan the field, scan the field. Like he has his people that he knows he wants to go to. Yeah. But that's what makes those, at the time, you know, Hill and Kelsey so good is because he didn't need to give them the ball. He could give... Byron Pringle the ball for this seven yard gain on this play back the defense off of Hill or Kelsey a little bit because they're like well fuck but now we got to watch this you know third fourth string wide receiver and then boom now now Hill or Kelsey are fucking open for a big play Um, and that just goes off of making your reads and not ditching it as soon as it's bad like yeah because he knows hey this at this moment Hill is covered but let me just give it a second or two, and I look back, bam, now he's open. He made his move. Um, I think that's just one of those things that I, I feel like it gets that to get taught in college. Because in high school, you have your primary receiver, and if he's not open, well, the play's busted at that point. Yeah, like, do, do some do. high school shit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like the quarterback could easily fucking truck, you know, the defensive lineman at, in high school, you know, yeah. that type thing. Uh, and then college, you got to be able to make your reads appropriately. But once you go to your first read, usually the plays are so fast and call it that like the plays busted at that point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in the NFL, like plays can develop over time, and so your line should hold up if you have a good line. We just you know we look at like the Cowboys just a couple of years back when Demarco Murray or not Demarco Ezekiel Elliott was like the hottest shit in fo- fucking football. It, his own line was fantastic. Yeah. Dak had all the time in the world whenever he needed to throw, and that's because his own line was so good. Um, and so you have the ability to make all these checkdowns and just, you know, make the right decision. You know, if we could go back to Patrick Mahomes for two seconds, because I'm a little <laughs> fanboy. Um, one thing that he did last year, and it, start, it started off our season with us struggling. Um, but one thing he did last year was teams were now starting to expect the unexpected from Mahomes. They were like, okay, you know what? We can't go into this game planning like any other quarterback. We're going to game plan for him fucking doing this crazy-ass shit. And that was shown because our first few games were very hard for us, and he had to sit back and try to evolve his game a little bit throughout the season to where he was more of a pocket presence. He's going to be there in the pocket for two seconds longer. You know, He was going to stay there, try to let the play develop. And it took a few weeks. But as the season went on and on, we started winning our games because now teams were like, well, fuck. Now we got to treat him like a regular quarterback. And then he's like, no, but I'm still Patrick Mahomes. And as the season went on, he was able to do Patrick Mahomes things again. And, you know, obviously we lost in the AFC championship. But fuck, that would have been our, you know, had we not lost by that field goal, we would have went to our third straight Super Bowl. And yeah. it's like, well, now how do you fucking play against Mahomes? Because he's he can still be this unbelievable superhuman but at the same time, now he's starting to learn to be this pocket passer. Fuck. 
that is a facet that people weren't ready for this early in his career. And I think it's really good that he did it this early. Because yeah. eventually, by the time he's 29, 30 years old, he's going to lose some of that quickness, some of that agility, some of that wow factor. He's going to have to be more of a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. And if he's already doing it now, it's just that much better for him. No, yeah. I Obviously, I'm a big, I'm a big Pat fan as well, just because, you know, I went to school with him. And, uh, yeah, it just, it's just crazy just how much he's developed. And that's the thing I feel makes him truly great compared to all the other quarterbacks we compare him to, like Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen and this and that. It's like, Pat has proved himself that like he came in with a specific game uh, play style. He made adaptations. He grew better. He really, you can see the work that he put into it, not just on the field, but off the field with just his like, his football IQ has just gone up so high in the past couple of years. He is learning how to be at that Brady level of like, I want to make all the correct reads. I want to make sure that like, we're, we're, I'm not going to throw a stupid ball. He's still doing that. There's still a couple times where you see him make passes where I'm like, uh, okay, maybe we, we should have just called the play dead. We should have yeah. just thrown it away. Um, but he'll, he'll get better with that as he gets older. You, you never see Brady. You'll see Brady just go down sometimes where it's like, you know, play's busted. I'm going to get sacked. I'm just going to go down. Yeah. Or I'm going to throw it away. Fuck, a four-yard loss versus, you know, me try to force it into, you know, tight coverage right there, potential pick. Yeah. yeah. Um, he... he he does that fucking better than almost anyone, you know. He's yeah. very smart when it comes to that. Uh, and Patrick is getting to that point. Yep. Um, but like like you had brought up Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson, both of them have their specific play styles, and they're just trying to better themselves at that play style. Yeah. Josh Allen, um, his play style is more of that true QB, but he's also a giant big man who yeah. can run. So he's got that going for him, whereas Lamar Jackson – he needs to get his arm better. Not to saying that he can't throw. He puts up he puts up, you know, the numbers for the passing yards and everything. But most of the time people are like, We've got Michael Vick behind the center right now. Like he's if he goes through his first and second read, he's probably gonna fucking run. Like they can almost guarantee that. And that kind of showed a little bit last year. They yeah. they had a they had a hard stretch because Lamar couldn't produce on the field as much as he's done in the past. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he needs to develop that arm a little bit more and probably sit in the pocket a little bit longer because then that will allow him to do those runs. Not, you know, he, he can't just run every time because they're going to immediately expect that, you know. But I just picture a Madden minigame for Lamar Jackson to be like, all right, we're, you're just going to run plays over and over and over again. Every time you leave the pocket, we restart and you start back at zero. Oh, shit, You've got to get 10 plays in a row. You stay in the pocket and make your read and make the smartest decision. I'm thinking like a Madden training camp minigame for that. Dude, like, those used to be so fun. Yeah, I loved them. And they I were fucking awesome. I don't know why they got rid of them. Like, I think they just put they they put more you know time developing like the franchise mode the fucking you know the online experience and everything. I think that really I think when the online Madden experience came out, I think that's when they stopped doing the yeah the, like the training camps and everything. Because like the in, mini games in FIFA, I love it because that is your tutorial is doing all these little mm-hmm. mini games, and it's really extensive. Like you can go through the first couple tutorials and be like, all right, I have the basics of the game down, the controls down, and I, you can go play. Um, or you can just sit there and be like, okay, let me practice these specific scenarios and these situations and like, let me really get good at the game. I appreciate that they took the time to put such an in-depth tutorial with these fun little mini games to show you, okay, FIFA isn't just hold the run button and shoot. Uh, like, There's a whole bunch of other stuff you can do. 
I think people don't like, I guess, see it. If you're just used to casually playing FIFA with your friends on the couch, like you won't see, you won't get it. Like what professional yeah. FIFA players do. And I'm like, I guess whatever any professional esport is like, Oh, I could do that. I can play a fighting game just like that guy. I'm like, I don't think so, man. That, <laughs> the combo, you see the way this guy's hands move and the combos he did. Yeah. Like that's a one for, he had like 0.60th of a second to press these two buttons together, there's no way you do that. Too. I fucking remember the first time I played Mortal Kombat online. I fucking like I had gotten pretty good at just playing with my buddy. Like I, yeah. I had combos down. Like I knew what you know my routine I was gonna do type thing. I played Mortal Kombat online and I got a fucking a perfect KO against me. I was like, I didn't even land a punch on this fucker. I looked at him. Dude had like you know two thousand fucking wins. I was like, okay. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, <laughs> one of, uh, one of my roommates in college, he, um, so the ladder's closed down now. And so his final rank on the ladder was like 80th in the world for Mortal Kombat one. Um, cause when they re-released Mortal Kombat, they released like Mortal Kombat one, two, three, um, like MK three ultra or whatever. And like a bunch of the older ones and they had online matchmaking. So if you wanted to play classic Mortal Kombat, you could play it online. And so, uh, He's legit, like, really, really fucking good at Mortal Kombat. And I was like, um, I remember when MK10 or 9 came out. And uh, he was like, dude, you want to play with me? And I was like, dude, you're going to beat the shit out of me. Like, it, like Smash Bros. I can hold my own with. Because they, the friends I hung out with in college, they're all fighting game people. So, like, they'll play Mortal Kombat, Smash Bros., and other games like that. Um, Smash Bros. I can hold my own with. Like, I know, I know my character. I know my basics. I know what can and can't do with my character. Yeah. Mortal Kombat, there's actual combos and stuff. So, like, I need to, like, literally study the combo page and, like, figure out, okay, what does this character do? What are his abilities? Yep. And, like, blocking. Like, I'm not smart enough. I don't have the reaction skills to block a hit. He's throwing a punch at me just like in real life. I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to take it. I don't know what to do. What fucking game is it? It's Injustice. Uh Oh yeah, where, you played a lot of injustice too. Where you don't have you don't have a block mechanic. You just have you go backwards and you block. I hate it. And I'm just like that's so fucking like that's so cheese. Like, how the fuck am I supposed to land an attack on you if you're just constantly backing up? Exactly. As your block. I like, hate it. So that's why like I couldn't get into injustice because the block mechanics were like really difficult to. Because I because now I'm out of let's say I block a hit. I'm out of position now to to land a combo. I have to do I have to play footsies to reach you exactly. to get a stun on you and then be able to hopefully link into another combo. I'm not good enough at fighting him to do that. And I tried. I tried. And that's why I really realized is like I suck at fighting games. And like I'm fairly decent at Smash Bros. But when I went to tournaments to play Smash Bros, that's when I was like no, nah, like I'm like I was like oh everyone's pretty scrubby for the most part like it's really only the pros who are good and I'm like nah man there's some good fucking people out here who were the the gap between where I was and where the pros are was way wider than I ever realized yeah um, I mean th- I mean those guys not only do they live and breathe it you know I mean they've been playing it for years and years and years they got their one two characters that they fucking switch between depending on who they're playing against mm-hmm. you know they've got every fucking combo you know button mash whatever they everything is memorized to a t they're like oh if you do this like i promise you you like you're not if you jump up in the air you're not getting back down i'm not gonna let you back down until i knock you out like fuck no i i love how precise some of these professional players can be for smash Bros specifically because that's where i have the most knowledge about where they'll be like 
yeah, same thing. You'll jump and it'll be like, all right, well, that's fine. Your landing lag is 17 frames. So I know my move comes out in seven frames. So I'm just going to wait for you to fucking land because I know you can't fucking cancel your landing. So I'm just going to hit you with this move and I'm going to link it into another combo and you're fucking dead. Yep. And I was like, you should have never fucking jumped. Your fastest move is your down tilt. You should have down tilted. And I'll be like, well, I, I just like this character because he's really <laughs> exactly. cool, man. And I'm like, they their analysis of like how they play the game is so crazy. Um, it was one of the first games that really taught me the importance of like having a 60 FPS game and like having a good monitor. Mm. Cause there's certain stuff that like, yo, yeah, you really can't, you can react off it if you're fast enough. And if you're looking at a good monitor, like the ones I have here, it's like, okay, cool. I can totally react off of this. I feel it. I get it. It makes sense. Um, but dude, fighting games are, that's so difficult. So, so difficult. One that I got into for a while was a Brawlhalla. Yeah. Very good one. Fucking, I, used to play it with my buddy when we were freshmen and I say we used to play I would watch him play and I was like wow this is so cool and you know he'd let me play a game or something mm-hmm. I was just kind of out there and then I fucking got my gaming laptop and I was like all right like let's download this shit I got a mouse for it I was like I have a table we're gonna try to fucking like learn some shit and I was like wow this this is like more in depth even though it's a very basic game like there's not a lot to it yeah. but there is if you start playing it yeah, I was like, wow, okay, like certain characters, you know, like this and this, like it, 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 a lot of fun playing it. Uh, no, yeah, there's a couple of Smash clones that are really good. There's one I used to play, and I feel so bad. I cannot remember the name of it, um, but uh, it was a really, really cool Smash clone. It took the premise of Smash, you know, you have a, you know, uh, Smash attacks, and you got to knock people off the edge, and uh, you have a certain, certain amount of stocks and percentages and this and that. Um, but I really, I think the thing that got me the most was like the shielding mechanics and how you can parry things. So if someone hits you and you hit shield at the same time, you'll parry it and they'll be stunned for a brief moment and allow you to open up and hit them. Um, smash ultimate, the newest smash game does have that same mechanic now, but it's never really explained too well. And it's a really tight fucking window. And I feel like too tight that like. I can't. I, I can't. The casual get it. player couldn't. The casual player is yeah. not going to hit it. They're going to hit it accidentally by mashing the shield button if they're getting beat beat on. But for the most part, the casual player is just not going to do do that. Even in professional, you don't see it too often because it's like you really have to like know what attack you're going to get hit with, parry it, and then know what your follow up is going to be. Because right. you may be able to parry it and nothing happens, but it's capitalizing off of that parry. Um, but yeah, this other. Man, I wish I could remember the name of it. I don't know why I'm struggling to remember it. Um, but it was a really fun game. I like the art style and everything. Um, but there's a lot of Smash clones. There's actually one coming out soon. It's called um, Multiversus. Okay. Um, it's put on by Warner Brothers. So it's going to have uh, like DC characters like Superman and Batman. And it's going to have like Bugs Bunny. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, yeah. I've, I've seen yeah. that. Ever, or like, the, like buzz around that. Yeah. Yeah. It, they just put out the trailer this week. And... Uh, it looks perfectly cartoony and fun to where like cool you're not taking it seriously you're not trying to be a crazy serious fighting game you're just you know having a fun game with cool characters is that the one that they're bringing in fucking uh yes ultra instinct shaggy (laughs) i was like i was like i wanted to say it but i didn't want to sound like a dumbass because they're bringing ultra instinct shaggy which we've all needed i mean it's like a year too late but we still all need it for just the obvious reasons Ed Boon, the creator of Mortal Kombat, said he would put 
alter anything Shaggy in the game. But I think for licensing reasons, it did never happen. Yeah, and I, and I think that's when it started where everyone was like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is happening. And then it just, you know, it didn't. But then this one, it, it's going to happen, I think. Again, it's a little, a little late now for the hype, but it's still going to be fun as fuck. Yeah. Um, but one thing I wanted to say, because didn't get a chance to when we opened up, uh, beer this week is Buena Vesa, uh by... Was it Stone Buena Vesa or is it just Buena Vesa? I don't fucking know. But it's a salt and lime lager, and it is, to compare it to Dos Equis salt and lime lager, um, this is a lot less harsh on the salt and lime. Like, much, like, the ingredients. It's yeah, it's a lot smoother. Um, I would enjoy this more, um, I guess, by the pool versus I would do the Dos Equis salt and lime, like, on the actual beach. However, I think the difference with this one is that the fucking alcohol percentage is a lot higher, if I remember. I I think for dose is like 4.2. Yeah, and I wanted to say this one was like... Over 5 is solid for a commercial beer. That's not an IPA. Because, like, you know, your IPAs are like the crazy percentage, like 8, 9. Well, I can't find it, but I do... I thought I remembered this one being a higher percentage than... Dos Equis, which is why I would say drink this one by the pool, not by yeah. the beach, because you know how the sun takes it out of everyone. Dude. You can have two beers on the beach and be like, woo! Dude, I am really looking forward to going to the pool or the river or something, um, especially with uh, with it being hotter. But, um, yeah, we got to find a pool. <laughs> we find nowhere to go. We got yeah. to get a pool. Um, or we just put a baby pool in the backyard, baby. Yeah, so I had I had mentioned the there's a pool on base. Um Unfortunately, no one would be able to go unless I was chaperoning. <laughs> uh, but then there's that community pool uh, that we have, the LBJ pool. Yeah. That one, though, is like I mentioned earlier, not on this podcast, obviously, but uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of pee in that pool. Just a lot of pee. <laughs> I mean, like, if you happen to get water in your mouth, just know it's pee. It's not, it's not pool water. Jesus. It's, it's pee water. Um. What's it called? Uh, yeah, no, hopefully find a somewhere to go to a pool. Um, it's hard because like, we have a lot of city pools here, but they don't allow alcohol in there. Like you're allowed because they're in parks. You're allowed to like grill and drink and do whatever outside of it. But you have to like check in and sign in to get into the pool. Right. And it's like it's just a hassle. I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll and find I, a pool. I feel like it's really hard, at least for me, through my experience. I feel like it's been hard as an adult to get into a pool like i feel like as a kid like if you just wanted to go to the pool you went to the fucking pool like you just told your parents like hey like i want to go to the pool and they're like yeah. okay now i'm like i want to go to the pool where the fuck do i go like yeah i'm not going you know i can't for the most part i guess go to the places that i used to go because it's designed for kids or whatever but i don't know i guess that's why you know adults do like the river or the you know the lake for the day or whatever but if I just want to casually go to a pool, I feel like it's almost impossible for like you know adults to do that. I would like to sit in water um, that's deeper than my bath. Yeah, that, that's, that's fair. what I'm looking for. Uh, the baby pool does scratch the itch for the most part because you get to like you're in water, you're at home, you know, you're drinking or, or smoking or whatever have you. And like it kind of scratches the itch. I had a friend uh, FaceTime me <laughs> the other like randomly. It was like Saturday at like. 11 o'clock and uh never call this person only text 
he FaceTimes me and he's like, Hey man, like, uh, what you up to? And I'm like, I'm here in my house getting ready to go to bed because I have to go to work tomorrow. And he's like, Oh, well check out what we did. And, uh, fucking, they have a, they have a little patio outside and, uh, fucking put a bait pool. They're just drinking in the pool there. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I love that. I appreciate that all people can appreciate baby pool in the backyard. Because yep. it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's, I always grew up doing that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's very cool. You know, we, def- we definitely have the room for it in the backyard. Cause Dude, we have a perfect. Most yeah, of it's our. flat. Yeah, most of our backyard is concrete. So, like, we have options. You know, we could we could get a grill out there. You know, and all get a pool out there. Hell, we could probably build a small pool for cheap, and we would still have plenty of fucking room because our backyard is big enough to you know to fit it all. Yeah, but I don't know. You know, we've been so focused on getting the interior done and everything, we haven't really touched the exterior of the fucking house, which can be seen as soon as you drive up and see (laughs) three foot tall weeds. But you know. We're working on it. We're working on it. Yeah, this is a this is a lovely work in progress. So last week we had mentioned that we are doing a new thing where we are taking the artist from the ACL lineup. We're throwing him a little random number generator. Uh, and last week for our first artist, we picked up uh, Buffalo Nichols, who was artist there. I believe they're out of uh, Wisconsin, if I remember correctly, but they're now they live in Austin. And you can tell, you can hear it in their music and like, you know, they're, they're very, like got that Austin feel, uh, that bluesy country bluesy kind of feel to it. Um, but he's got one album out. Um, he put it out, I believe last year. Yes. October 15th of 2021. And, uh, dude, I, I, I was listening to some of the tracks and everything to kind of get a feel for him cause he doesn't have a lot of music out. And, uh, uh, I, re- I really liked it. I liked what I heard. Uh, it was different. Yeah. So. Um, definitely thinks, or I definitely think that, uh, he plays to, so, you know, because it's a blues, like country kind of like artist and everything, he's definitely playing to that crowd. Like for sure. Like when you start listening, you're like, okay, I could instantly see certain people would just not listen to him, which is fair. But what I liked about him was that he had that, it was very narrative driven. Like every song for the most part, I think there's maybe one or two songs on there that he's just kind of singing. But for the most part, there is a story, and I'm assuming most of them are things about his life, you know, behind his lyrics and everything. Um, where was it? Uh, How to Love. That one, he's talking about this girl that just was poisoned for him and just fucked him up. And, you know, he, he was like... like how you showed me love like that's how I learned how to love from what you showed me but then right at the end of the song he's like but I can't be mad at you because how you grew up and the things that you had to deal with they showed you how to love so I was like oh fuck you know I'm thinking like oh so you know the whole time you're listening you're like fuck you know he has bad bad feelings towards this person and at the end he's like no like I, I can't even be mad at you for the things that you did to me because I know where you came from type thing. Yeah. Um, that's just one. There's there's other songs on there, like Living Hell. He talks about how living is just a fucking, just a mess, you know. Yeah. We're all stumbling through life and everything, so it's either do I do I die and go to heaven now or do I keep living hell? Yeah. I'm like, oh, oh that's interesting. 
Uh, overall, so I read I was reading an article before um, earlier this week about just Buffalo Nichols and kind of his reason for for pushing this blues sound. For him, he felt that you know African American artists started blues and really pushed into prominence. And you look at blues today, it's you, you go to the Grammys or any award show where they have a blues category, it's all white bands. It's all white people. There is no African-Americans or any or any black artists pushing blues. And that was his own motivation to kind of like, I want to take this back. He's always loved blues music. He grew up on it. And he just wants to bring more artists forward with it and stuff. Um, I know uh, he was compared to, in the article a lot, to Gary Clark Jr. Are you, from, mm. are you familiar with Gary Clark Jr.? Not terribly. The name, yes. Not um, much else. He's an artist. Uh, it's bluesy, country, folky type of music. A little bit of rock in there as well. Um, he's he's out of Austin as well. And uh, he's kind of gotten to prominence. He's someone you see as a subheadliner on, on an ACL every time he goes. Um, and, you know, he wants to get to that level of just like, hey, you know, I get... You know, black artists typically get pigeonholed into certain genres and everything, but like, yo, I'm trying to bring like blues back. I'm like, I'm trying to bring like, you know, we we know our shit. We can it can be innovative and creative even in 2022. Which is why I think him being at ACL, you know, obviously he's not even a sub headliner. He's just he's probably going to be one of the the first people to go for the yeah. day type thing. Which, as we know how ACL goes, there's not a lot of people there at that point, but. It is still a huge, you know, festival of, of music and everything. So there is still that strong chance that he's getting, uh, you know, enough people out there to listen to him. And I, I think yeah. it's going to I think that's going to be good for him because it's been, you know, it's been since October since he put out a, an album. And I could easily see this guy pumping out another album like you know, it's been a few months, you know, like I don't know how long he spent on this first one, to be yeah. fair. But I could totally see him putting out another one, and I'd listen to it. I think it was a, a nice little random find, for sure. Yeah, no, it was really enjoyable. And I know he's currently been touring. He's opening for Houndmouth, as I think is the band. And there's one other person, Jane something, he's on tour with. So he's getting his name out there. He's trying. Um, he's still relatively new. Uh, from everything I could find, he, it's not like he came from another group and this is his own solo project. He's very new. He's very new. And so we'll, uh, I'm excited to see him because I'm sure he'll, he'll play stuff he hasn't released yet. And uh, it'll be one of those early in the day bands where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go check out Buffalo Nichols. Well, and the thing is, I think what's nice about it, too, is, hey, you put your first album out in October of 2021. And now you are already lined up to go play at ACL. I think that's awesome. So, you know, he's already gotten an, enough positive feedback for that, like for his music that he has put out. Dude, yeah, for any artist, getting onto a festival lineup or just getting to perform, it's a big deal. I know um, just this past weekend, I got a chance to catch up with, with uh, one of my friends um, who uh, he's a rapper and a producer. And uh, just uh, hadn't talked to him in, in months. But we couldn't even remember the last time we were able to like sit down and talk. And uh, I asked him, like, how's everything going? You know, because he moved away. And uh, he's like, we're doing well. Him and, his, and another buddy of ours... Um, they're constantly in the studio every day mm -hmm. and they're working they're making music they're getting gigs lined up finally so they're playing shows and i told him like dude that's the biggest thing like i get it like getting a gig is hard getting someone to trust you to play there 
but I'm really impressed the fact they're getting paid gigs now. And oh, like, okay, people are paying them to comply. So I'm like, dude, like, I keep telling them, like, you know, everyone wants to see that overnight success story, but it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. 100%. And so I told him, like, dude, y'all need to just keep grinding. Uh, I've, I've loved all their music. If you want to go listen to some of their stuff, check out Zach Quiet Down, all one word, um, on Apple Music and Spotify. Uh, I, uh, my buddy, he goes by the tag Ideal. Um, he produces for him. And, uh, and Zach is the one who, uh, who does, who raps and sings. And, uh, but yeah, they, I talked to them. I know they have a lot of upcoming stuff and I'm just super excited to get more from them. But like, yeah, getting, getting to put your name on a festival like ACL is a big deal. Even if you're down low, it doesn't matter. It's still a big deal. Yeah. I mean, if I was in Buffalo Nichols position, I'm thinking like, Hey, my first album just came out and I'm on a fucking big name, you know, festival and everything. Like that's awesome. Like that is crazy. Um, that's just such a quick turnaround, you know? No, I love how Charlie Crockett really got a chance to shine. He had a good afternoon placement and he had a, he had a pretty decent crowd out there. And I'm just like, cool. More people are getting to know his name. And there was people there that, that I didn't really like, like, I was like, Oh, like, I don't know. Like I just wouldn't see this person listening to this music, but they fuck half the time that I thought about that about someone while I was looking through the crowd, they knew more of his lyrics and songs than I did. And I was like, yeah. I love Charlie Crockett. So I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is great. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, I'm just happy Charlie Crockett's name out there. He's got the new album that just came out. Uh, it's more covers, but I appreciate that he's still putting out music. He's, he's touring a lot. Um, he's putting out new music. Um, he's on the up and up, man. He yeah. just he just needs to keep doing keep doing his thing. Well, I mean, even even with his covers, you know, he puts such a unique spin on it. And like Jamestown Ferry, his one of his more popular songs that is a cover. Um, I can't remember the original artist. I believe it's a female that sings it, but it's a completely different song. Like, you know, yes, it is a female because she's talking. It's from her perspective. So the dude like left on the Jamestown Ferry and everything. Yeah. And it was just, it was a different feel to the song, but then Charlie Crockett comes in with his, and I'm like, fuck, I actually do like the original, but Charlie Crockett's version of it is just a fucking amazing, you know? And so, yes, this album is a lot more covers and everything, but his his unique spin on covers is Chef's Kiss. Yeah, I 100% agree. So, uh, so like last week, we did the random number generator to uh, pick our artists, um, and we're gonna go and just do the same thing. So we've we've got our number generator ready, and uh, let's see what number we get today. Let's see, ooh, number nineteen. So someone near the top. So I'm gonna go ahead and count things out real quick, and just figure out who it is that we'll be listening to. So let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Ooh, we got a good one here. We got a good one. We have Sophie Tucker. Sophie Tucker. Sophie Tucker is a duo. Um, they're an EDM duo, and uh, is it Sophie and Tucker? Like, is that is that the two people, or is it Sophie Tucker just like the, the person? I believe Sophie is the girl, and then it's like James Tucker is like the dude or whatever. Um, oh, okay, these. These people? Yeah. Yes. Okay, all right. So uh, I actually was in the middle of listening to their newest album. Or they actually are not newest album. They released... So Apple Music has been doing this thing where they've been putting mixes and like they'll have like a fitness mix or like a, a chill mix or whatever. And so they actually just did the newest fitness um, 
mix for May. And so they play a lot of uh, their new stuff uh, as well as a mix of stuff. The one thing I didn't like, and I haven't got a chance to fully listen to the mix, but although there's good tracks in here, they um, it's 14 tracks over the course of 48 minutes. So you're, you're hearing a lot of full tracks. You're, you're not doing quick transitions and stuff, which I'm fine with. That's a, a, you know, a different style of DJing. Um, but I prefer to hear a bunch of songs in a short amount of time rather than listening to these long, drawn-out intro outros. And Well, they and do such. have an album that just came out on the 29th of April. Yes, they, uh, which is... Uh, Wet Tennis. Wet Tennis, yeah. Uh, I listened to a little bit of it, but I haven't gotten a chance to go through it, and I believe this will be the time to do it. it it's only 12 tracks long and 35 minutes. So uh, Sophie Tucker, that'll be the artist that we will you'll hear from us talk about next week. Uh, so I'm really excited because um, they have a couple songs that I know, and I'm just trying to look through it, which ones it, it is. Like, they featured on some tracks that I'm familiar with. So I'm, like, vaguely familiar with who they are, but not a huge uh, a huge uh, fan or anything or, or know them too well. They really like the, uh, from what I'm seeing, they really like, like, the, the track suit, uh, just you know, country club, uh, outfit kind of vibe. <laughs> yeah. They, they have a very interesting style here. Uh, see, does Apple music have a, they're from New York, New York. Um, so let's see. Yeah. So the moniker is a twist on the two members names, Sophie Holly Weld and Tucker Halpern. And they met at Brown university in 2014. And so, uh, yeah. Fuck, so they're smart. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> So, uh, that's not fair. And funny enough, one of their similar artists is Zoo, who uh, Zoo will be at ACL this year, hmm. uh, which I'm really excited to see because I have not gotten a chance to see him yet. But so, yeah, I'm excited to a little, little, get a little EDM in there, get a little little Sophie Tucker. Um, there was a couple other things I want to talk about. Um, the Kendrick album. Yes. The Kendrick album came out. Uh, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. It's a... Uh, a double LP, so uh, it's got eight tracks on one uh, disc and eight tracks on the other, and uh, it was really, really fucking good. Like, I feel like it's got bangers, it's got radio hits on there, it's got pieces where he's able to talk about shit that's going on. Like, he starts off the whole album, and you just hear him in his, like, normal, I guess, normal speaking voice. You just He just goes... Um, I've got a lot of problems. I've got a lot of I got a lot of stuff on my mind. Uh, it's been I think he said it was like it's over a thousand days since you la- we last heard from him, and um, you know he 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 didn't know he didn't have a voice he didn't understand how to communicate with people because it was like what do you talk about you're at this like peak right now yeah and it's like what what can you give to these people like what is there to talk about there's a, a lot has happened since Damn came out that he could talk about. Um, but he chose to talk about mostly in this album, some of the struggles he went through and just of trying to become a better version of Kendrick than he was in the past. Like he's got the one track at the end of the album. Um, it's called something sober, uh, where he talks about how like he had cheated on his fiance, um, multiple times. Um, and just like go his mother. I sober, um, talking about just like his struggles with like you know, himself and who he is and what he represents in the community. Um, it was a very introspective album. 
Um, some of my favorite tracks on the album definitely are United in Grief, N95, um, Love Father Time with Sampha. That man, that guy's super cool. Like, it's just a good, good vibe on that. Uh, the, there's two interludes on the album that lead into songs, and they're both actually really good. Like, they just, okay. like, you know, normally an interlude or a skit, it's just, like, it's a filler. Like, Kanye used to do a lot of skits in his early albums, and I hated them because I was, like, the skits didn't add anything to the album as, as a whole. Yeah, fucking Eminem is uh, guilty of that. He'll almost every fucking album from when he was in his Slim Shady days has a skit. Uh, and he, as he's transitioned into more like Eminem versus Slim Shady, uh, it was a lot more interludes and everything like that. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, these interludes play like songs that are like, they just lead into the next song really well. And I'm like, wow, it's super good. Uh, Baby Keem uh, is only listed as a, as a, artist on one song which is savior but he is sprinkled throughout the album he helped produce a lot of tracks um and then if you're not familiar if anyone listening is not familiar so baby keem is um kendrick's cousin and so baby keem had just put out an album last year and he won a grammy for his performance for family ties which is this song with kendrick um and um it would you know Baby Keem is just like has proven himself as that like not only is he a good rapper but he's a really good producer so much so that like after listening to this project and hearing Baby Keem just pop up like in little ad libs and little parts here and there and you can you can almost like hear his production style I just want a full blown Kendrick Baby Keem album and just okay. have like a family album and it just um oh man I'm I'm loving it because I loved his Baby Keem's last album and I loved everything that he you can hear some of the things he did in in that past album on the Kendrick album in terms of production you can hear these little notes and motifs and stuff throughout where I'm like ah that works that makes sense like their style just works well you've definitely fucking sold me because I I have had no inclination to listen to it honestly um I was just going to kind of wait for the hype to circulate and everything and then I was going to listen to a track or two but you've uh, you've uh, pretty much sold me on like dedicating some time to sit down and actually listen to this uh, album and everything so it's very upbeat there are moments in the album that I feel are not that they're bad but they can be a bit jarring um, there's the track it's the one with um, oh, let me see let me just look it up real quick because I have it here um I believe it's We Cry Together with Taylor Page. Um, that one is really interesting because the majority, it's called We Cry Together, and the the majority of the song is him, Kendrick and Taylor arguing as they're, they're getting into a fight about the relationship and stuff, and them just kind of rapping and going back and forth as they're, they develop this fight, and they realize that they, it, it's just a weird, interesting album, like, I don't know. I took a lot of like from the album of like life experiences where I was like, oh, like I can picture this. I, I t- yeah. like I have some type of connection to this. Like I understand a fight like this. I get it. And I understand like some of those things he talks about that like obviously I'm Hispanic and white. So I don't understand everything that he Kendrick may talk about. But there's some stuff where I'm like, ooh, that resonates with me too. Like, yeah. Um, but overall, I thought it was a really good album. Um, the The track that people have talked the most about, though, and I don't know if you've seen any discourse online about it, is Anti Diaries. I don't know if you've heard anything about it. 
I, mm, I, no, I can't say definitively that I have. Maybe I have, and I'm just forgetting, but I can't say definitively I have. So that out, so that track is is Kendrick's perspective on the kind of the LGBT community, and just he starts off with my auntie is a man now, and it's his story of how growing up, his aunt has never been any different to him that yeah you know she was going through a transition and he just kind of was like this is my aunt this is my family member like she take care of me and now he takes care of me and he's always been there and fucking he'll kick anyone's ass and he's, he's got his wife and everything and just like he's just doing his thing i've never known any different and the second half of the of the, of the song is about um the tagline is uh demarius is marianne now about his cousin who was going through the same shit and like his cousin dealing with like going to church and the preacher being like oh he's just having some struggles he'll be fine yeah but then kendrick poses to the preacher like well you say to love thy neighbor but like what if like nature and science and all this come together is he still my neighbor do i still love him is yeah there's different? stipulations quote unquote now right yeah yeah and so uh but it's kind of just his perspective of just like yo i grew up you know saying this and saying that and i thought it was just words but like that shit like affects people and just his perspective of like not nah, nah, like we you know i it just his like way of coming out and saying like his understanding of of like that community being right. like well you know i was very ignorant about it and now i've like learned by having these experiences um, some people have applauded the album, the, the track for being like, wow, that's awesome. You're doing good. And somebody has been like, whoa, like you took a really shitty approach to this. Like you're dead naming people using wrong pronouns. I'm like, get that shit out of here. The, the point, the message is yeah. there. It's it delivered in a way that's understandable and easily digestible to the listener. Yes. He may. There's always going to be hate from someone. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't make everyone happy. Exactly. Even if you're making them happy. If you deliver it wrong, they're gonna be like, "Well, I agree with what you're saying, but how you're saying it is, you know, just go fuck yourself." And you're just like, "Well, you know." Yeah, like so. One one of the arguments people were making was that, um, which I'll use the term. I'll use it just as a quote rather than actually say, just. Uh, he used the term "faggot" a lot in the, and quite a bit in the song because he just says, "Oh, that's just a word we use because it was funny. It was like comedic, like haha, like." But then he realized, like, "Oh no, that actually is like really offensive to certain people." And then right. he was like. Oh, okay, cool. And he even says that, like, we can all say faggot when a white girl's able to say the N-word. And that's how he closes the song. And it was like, ah, get it. Like he, Puts he, into perspective certain things, yeah. Exactly. And so it, it's an interesting track. It's actually a decent listen. Um, but overall, that was that's the track that's gotten the most talk about. Because um, it's probably obviously i haven't listened to the album but i'm assuming that's the most controversial song on there yeah for the most part yeah and so like he talks about honestly it's weird because i expect him to talk a lot about like all the black lives matter stuff and like the violence and going on he doesn't talk about that at all pretty much he it's very introspective of an album and it's literally like his tour the tagline of the tour is help mr morale get out of the box and he wants to step out of the box he wants to become bigger better than he doesn't want to just be put in a box and do his thing right like he wants to so it it's going to be an introspective tour as well as an introspective album but it still has bangers on it and 
I loved it. It was really good. So my mind immediately went to this fun fact that I learned. Uh, what was the name of the the person that you said that's like sprinkled throughout the album, but it's only credited on one song? Baby Keem. Yes. So when you said that, I was like, oh my god, I know someone who you wouldn't expect to number one make music, but two be in so many um, big time. Uh, movies and he's the musical he's part of the musical score in that movie uh dermot uh, mulroney from the wedding date my best friend's wedding the family stone oh, this, this you're gentleman talking about right here the general white the that guy who's has the blue highlight under his name yeah dermot mulroney yeah so he uh he's part of the musical score for all like three or four star wars movies mm-hmm. um he is like the lead Cell, like cello player or whatever or something like that it's it's definitely has a there's some strings involved i know that um <laughs> but uh then then um phantom of the opera i think he 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 plays in there too yeah and it, what happens is a lot of it is like he i guess he grew up playing whatever instrument it was and he got really fucking good at it i guess he even went to college and like for it or played for his college or something like that but um, then he got into acting and, you know, that took off. And then people were like, oh, shit, you can you can play an instrument that like this is like this can be part of like our orchestra or whatever. And uh, so what he'll do sometimes is if he can't get on into a movie by acting. So like he was supposed to be in the new the newest trilogy of the Star Wars movies. Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be in one of them. I cannot remember. Didn't get the part. So he was like, well, I fucking love Star Wars. So you mind if I play for you? And they were like, "Yeah, your music's amazing." So I was just like, "When you when you had brought up that that guy, I was just yeah. like, oh, well, that reminds me of this fun fact that I just learned. You would never know that this actor, who is a very monotone like actor, has no emotion almost in any of his roles, yeah. is one of these like very sought after fucking like musical uh, mu- or musicians, I guess, if you will. So I thought that was a little interesting. You know, that is really dope. That, that is really cool." Uh, yeah, you'll have certain artists that like rappers or, or different artists will really applaud them, but you go to listen to their music and it's like, wow, they don't really have a lot of music. Like they don't really do a ton of stuff. But it's like, oh uh, no, they're big behind the scenes people. Like they're just yeah. certain artists that like have inspired things or like pushed a sound. Um, and so uh, you may not see them too often. Like I feel Pusha T's in that category. Of like he is still putting out bangers and he's putting out music, but he doesn't do it too often. Right. Um, but he is always anytime a good music artist needs something to look at, I bet you can go through like Big Sean, Kanye, all the good music artists and just be like, Oh yeah, Pusha T has features in a lot of songs and in production credits because he's just always there. He has a good ear and he's able to listen and be like, You should really change this or do that. Um Well, and that's the thing too with a a lot of musicians, um, Actors, whatever, however you want to get into that, um, you could really take that into the entire entertainment industry um, as a whole. A lot of people have a lot of uh, strings that they're attached to with that specific song, that specific movie, that TV show, where you're like, oh, this person had like a say in this? Yeah, they, they, they fucking produced, you know, part of it because their specific style or, you know, their input or however, like, whatever they can contribute was is so sought after even though them as a whole solo may not be the best but for what that what that one thing that they can offer is it's better than anyone else you know yeah 
Exactly. No, and so there, there's so many artists that are like that, and I just like it really makes you rethink. Because like you have someone like a Dylan Francis who or a Diplo who like they're just putting out bangers all day, and you know there are other artists where it's like, man, I haven't heard anything from them in a really long time, and then it's like, oh well, you haven't heard anything from them, but like they actually have these million projects that are credited on because they, yeah, were they haven't the stopped working. Yeah. They haven't stopped working. They just haven't put any of their own music out yet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, there was two other things I wanted to get to just briefly. They're just news updates. Did you hear about, uh, young thug and gunner and, yep. uh, and the, the, the Rico case and everything? Yeah. They're going to jail forever. Uh, I think it was gun. I think it was gonna, but yeah. like he's fucked. Like yeah. something else came out. I'm pretty sure it's gonna. I don't think it was Young Thug, but like something else came out that was like a, like an additional charge, basically. Oh, yeah. he's fucked, fucked. Like yeah, and and like so they were on a podcast recently, and they were talking. I can't remember the dude's name. He's former artist or whatever, and they're in the studio with him, and they're sitting down on the podcast, and he had went away for time for charges, and he had literally told him guys like. You know, I get why YSL is a big thing for y'all, but, like, y'all need to, like, change y'all's image, like, you know, because y'all aren't a gang, right? And he's like, nah, YSL's a gang, we're a gang, we're doing this, doing that. And he's like, no, 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 you can't be saying that shit because they'll be getting you on, on fucking bullshit. So uh, he's, like, trying to get him to say, like, YSL's not a gang, and he keeps bringing it up and be like, guys, like, you don't get it. Like, you guys are going to go away forever, and, like, you guys are going to be fucked. Like, there's no way to get out of this shit. And I... I- yeah, so I think some of some of like the, the these rappers are still in this mindset of like the early '90s, even even early like 2000s. So from mm-hmm. early '90s up to the early 2000s, um, of this like image that you had to have and like these things yeah. that you had to do. Like when you were making your music, um, yes, this is going to be a fucking stereotypical fucking call out but like nwa like they lived the music that they made yeah like their songs were direct from their life so you had all those rappers back then like they were just rapping about their lives and then you have you know rappers now where they're like oh well i didn't necessarily experience that but i listened to the music growing up i've seen a little bit so i'm gonna start like no you know what i'm either gonna put myself into this or i'm just gonna say like this and that that's which six nine yeah fucking you grew up white and like fucking doing well and all this bullshit and you just decided yeah i'm gonna become a fucking i'm just gonna live the trap lifestyle and i'm gonna do all this bullshit and i was like and then it fucking caught up but uh, so new york um they are now the first state to ever do this and it is the first law of its kind Mm -hmm. it is now a law in new york that um you are no so it's not that you're no longer allowed to use lyrics in a court case but now there is certain um limitations on the lyrics that you can use is this guy actually saying that he fucking just murdered this motherfucker yeah, like or is he just is he just rapping like yeah. so they came out with a law saying like yes you can use a lyric in a court case which has been done so many fucking times yeah. as like incriminating evidence but now they're like well, you can, but you actually have to back that up, like, and prove that that was like the real fucking thing. Yeah, this guy could have just been rapping because it sold music, you know. No, yeah, like Y and W Melly when he went away for killing those two people, and it was like, well, we had the evidence. You have songs about murder on your mind and how you killed them, and then you have another song about how you felt bad about killing them and how like it was so difficult. I was like, I don't know, man. All the evidence is kind of there. Like, it's one of those where it was like. 
I get it. You don't want to you take the lyrics out of context, but like he literally was talking about how he murdered these people. Like, and so that's why in this new law, you can still use it because in certain cases it's going to be like, no, no, no. He's he's literally admitting to it. Like, yeah, I, I promise you, he is. Did the whole Key and Peele skit about it? <laughs> yeah, and so, um, but uh, yeah, man, YSL, they're fucking. I guess they're done. That's it at this point. Which. I don't know. For me, like, the only true trapper turned rapper who is still kicking it and doing it today is Pusha T, who he literally sold cocaine, like, fucking kilos and kilos and kilos, tons of cocaine, um, and became a rapper. Like, he literally was trapping, doing his fucking drug thing, and was like, I'm going to try this rap thing. And my favorite fun fact about Pusha T is that uh, he was approached to make a jingle for a company and they paid him cash. That jingle, if he would have gotten any royalties on it, and you know, he'd probably be million, probably a billionaire at this point. Uh, can you guess what company approached him to make their jingle? I I could not, sir. Uh, uh, but up 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 uh, I'm loving it. No shit. He took. He didn't realize. I guess the money was so good, and he needed it. He took money instead of asking for like yo i want you know royalties on this i want to be paid every time it's used blah blah blah. and so he just got paid straight cash for that beat and still to this day it is the fucking slogan for the the jingle for mcdonald's well and to anyone out there that might be listening to this that might one day you know potentially be in that situation where you can take money or royalties um i've got two examples as to why you want to take royalties uh mariah carey on her fucking uh christmas song she, uh, you know, she obviously made money off it, but she was like, no, I'm going to get like a, like a royalty check like every time that this fucking song is played. Yeah. Um, she could literally never do anything for the rest of her life, and she is perfectly fine. The guy who invented the strip on a credit card, um, they offered him a fuckload. I mean, a fuckload of money, and he was yeah. like, nah. <laughs> like, you can have it, but uh, I'm going to get paid every time someone swipes their card. This dude is, I think he gets... I think he gets a penny or like or like 0.5 of a 50% of a penny or something like yeah. that every time a card is swiped literally within an hour in Texas alone the dude's a millionaire. I mean yeah. like that's you know that's one state in one country in one continent and the dude's already like a million. Like this, this yeah. dude is fucking rich. So royalties over instant payout all day every day. Pusha T learned his lesson. He would go on to make a second jingle for another fast food company, and he did accept the royalties rather than the money. Can you guess what the second jingle he made was? I don't know. Fucking no. Wendy's or KFC? Uh, it is a little uh shop called Arby's. The bum, 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 bum. We have the meats. That is him. And I can show you the song that he literally reused that beat <laughs> on. It's a it's a it's burial with Yogi and Pusha and Skrillex. Um, yeah, he uses the exact same fucking beat, and he That's just awesome. lifted that from there. Like here you go, Arby's. There's your fucking tagline. Uh, pay me every time you use it. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's, yeah, crazy. If you if you're someone who makes beats, um, and likes to sell beats. Sometimes, if you really know you got a banger with you, maybe you don't just take the straight cash for it. Like the producer who who did the Old Town Road beat, like Lil Nas X paid like fucking thirty bucks for that beat or whatever. Oh my god! And so, and of course, you know, fucking, you didn't think it was gonna turn out into the fucking song that it was, but like, 
And so Lil, I think he said like he's paid him, and you know he's been like, That's dude, good. as a thank you of like, dude, like without that beat, I wouldn't be where I am today. And so, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's crazy. If you if you're making beats and you know you got a banger on you, maybe not be so quick to sell it or be like find the right person. Have more confidence in yourself. Exactly. Trust yourself. If you know like what you just did was, it's gonna it's gonna be something. Have a little confidence in yourself, little faith. Take that royalty check instead of that instant payout. Exactly. Uh, well, that is about time for us. Do you have anything else to add you want to add here at the end? Uh, I do. One quick thing. Uh, we didn't really get to talk. We talked sports, but we talked football. I just wanted to bring up that the NBA playoffs are going on right now, and we've seen some fucking crazy uh, games recently. Right now, the most recent one, the Mavericks Warriors, where the Warriors spanked the Mavericks, uh, 112 to 87, That's a which lot. I don't think anyone was expecting that because the Mavericks just came off of a 123 to 90 win over the Suns, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Oh, Luke has got a fucking chip on his shoulder right now. Like, yeah, Luke is hot. Like the Mavs are hot." But then Steph Curry came out during the Mavs game and was just like, "I'm fucking Steph Curry. Yeah. Sit the fuck down, young young buck." Um, but yeah, you know, so we're in the conference finals now. Uh, next game that's going to take place is tonight at 7.30, so that's about to start, uh, Celtics Heat. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, go NBA playoffs, and that's that's uh, that's all I got. Uh, I do have a little bit more sports I will add in there. The per- English Premier League season wraps up. This weekend, uh, my team, the Tottenham Hotspurs, are playing Norwich City. Norwich is already going to get relegated. doesn't matter if they win or lose this game. They will get relegated. All Tottenham has to do is draw this game or win it, and they will move on to the Champions League. Very prestigious of us. We will be finishing above Arsenal. Again, you know, we uh, Arsenal does will not get the better of us this year, but I'm happy to see Tottenham do well. It's um, Soccer is one of those weird sports where they don't have, like, a playoff or it just points. So you win, you get three points. You lose, you get zero. You tie, you get one. Whoever has the most points at the end of the 38 games it's the champion. That's it. No playoff. That's it. And so uh, it's really weird to be like, my team came in fourth and I'm happy. Yeah. But this getting into the Champions League means we get to play against all the top teams in all of Europe with a chance of being the best team in all of Europe. Yeah, get to test your medal a little bit. Mm-hmm. We'll probably get paired up against PSG and lose in the first round. But, you know, you never know. We'll hey, you see. made it there. If you, you yeah. make it there. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, soccer wrapping up as well. Um, but I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, this has been episode number 45 of Rifts on Tap. Uh, if you like what you heard and would like to hear more, uh, definitely check us out at riftsontap.com. That's where you can find all of our previous episodes on all of your favorite um, podcast platforms. Uh, might I recommend um, last week's episode where we got into a bunch of different stuff. Um, the past few episodes have been a kind of all over the place, uh, but as we get ready for ACLs, we're learning all these new artists and stuff. Uh, definitely check out last week's episode. Really proud of that one. But we also have on there uh, our playlist with all the different music we're listening to. Uh, we've got some Buffalo Nichols on there. We're going to have some Sophie Tucker on there uh, as we're listening to them, getting ready uh, to talk about them next week. Uh, but just a bunch of new stuff. There's a lot of crazy stuff uh, that I know me, Riley, and Brock have been listening to continuously adding new music on there i want to show you guys what we're listening to uh but if you liked what you heard please tell a friend let them know it really helps us out uh we're happy to always uh hear you know wow i love this episode i love that moment it really 
uh, means the world to us. But we want to thank you guys for listening to us, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.